Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to the Bean, the weekend edition. First, with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZB. You don't just get yesterday, you get Saturday as well, uh, which is uh, just as well. Uh, because we need, otherwise you wouldn't get to hear uh, Jack Tame talking to Scotty Morrison about Mary Language Week and um, Scotty's new book. Um, we, you would get to hear uh, whether it's appropriate to raise your kids as a vegan, um, but you wouldn't get to hear uh, Jack talking about Nike's uh, arrangement with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, would get to hear Tim Minchin, and also, uh, first up, you'd hear this guy talking about the Warriors. It's a simple game, as you've always said, Tony. It comes from those guys who happen to be numbered, what, 8 to 13, and we needed at least a couple of them to really play well, show their hand and get physical right from the start. It just kind of never happened. No, look, I, I thought at 12 too that they had they had the momentum, you know, the swing was their way, and the real turning point for me was when Adam Blair went down, on, I think it was about 15 metres out, and he tried to squeeze a pass out the back, which was just impossible, the ball. Um, and they never recovered from that moment on. You know, they're talking about it was when Roger went off, but if you go back and review the game, they were right on top at 12-2. Blairy tries to offload that football, and from then there on, the Penrith built built their pressure, scored those two quick tries, winning at 18-12 at half-time, and from there, the kicking game, they just nailed them in the back, back half of the um, football field. They, they didn't get the big three working like they normally do when Roger was off, and, and, and the riding was on the wall for a loss, and you add Maloney to the mix, you know, and this is why that kid's gone and won so many games, not just for, um, I think he's had won three grand finals for three different clubs. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, amazing, and, isn't it? And, <laughs> and, he, and he just showed you how you close a game out. You know, you know they, we, everyone was waiting for a spark, but they just weren't given the opportunity um, after that ball that Adam Blair threw out the back. I, um, it's the second time this season I've watched the Warriors. Um, I don't know if I'm going to watch them next year. It was the Warriors that... Sometimes you just feel like the Warriors don't deserve your support, and it was that Warriors. They just, even when they were ahead at the beginning of the game, they didn't really deserve to be ahead at the beginning of the game. I'm sorry I sound, as I said last week, it's not that I don't want them to win. I want them to win, but only if they deserve it, and they really didn't deserve it on Saturday night. Anyway, that's their season. Uh, it's Murray Language Week. You, you are the busiest man, eh? Like I, I just cannot keep up with all of the things you're doing all the time whether it's studying for your PhD whether it's presenting your various things whether it's um, being involved, uh, involved with old uh, John Tamahiri and co <laughs> um, but, but can you, can you um, go back a few years for us and tell us how you came to Te Reo Māori in the first place because you know I, I always had assumed working with you that you had grown up speaking Te Reo but that wasn't the case um, almost by accident, my friend. Almost by accident, because um, we we had no uh, Te Reo Māori in our home or in our community when we were growing up in Rotorua. Uh, even though it's a strong Māori community and strong culturally, the language wasn't present in our everyday lives. So we didn't grow up with uh, speaking Te Reo Māori. Uh, it wasn't until I got to university and uh, my older brother and some of my older cousins had uh, been there the year before and gave me some fantastic advice. They said, when you uh, organise your papers for the first semester, make sure you make them all sit between Monday and Thursday. Gives you a three-day weekend <laughs> and more time to be at the Hillcrest Tavern on the weekend. And you can start on a Thursday night. And so um, that's what I did. And I, and I had yeah. all my core papers and then I was doing my electives and um, there was one gap in my timetable. 
between Monday and Thursday that I was trying to find a, an appropriate paper that would fit into the timetable. So I went through the prospectus and eventually found one yeah. that fitted perfectly into that timetable between Monday and Thursday, and it was Introduction to Māori Language. Of course, if you're a long-time uh, listener, you'll know that I'm not re- massively a fan of Māori Language Week because they change all the place names, and then I don't know where the weather is anymore. Um, I don't... Which... To, to be honest, also, if you're a long-time listener, you'll know that I don't really believe weather forecasts anyway. It's just made-up stuff that may or may not be true, so I guess it doesn't really matter if it happens in a place that may or may not be a place I know. Uh, is it all right to raise your kids as vegans? Veganism isn't vegetarianism, but we're seeing the number of um, of, of young younger people in New Zealand in, uh, who describe themselves as vegetarians, pursuing those kinds of diets, as increasing... Do you have a sense of of it increasing for kids as well, like 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 parents who are following those diets? That's increasing for their kids too. Yeah, veganism is a is a really interesting trend, a real growing trend. It's quite um it's quite noticeable in the last couple of years that it's really grown. And if you talk to people who are making vegan foods, animal free, you know, um, meat substitutes, things like that, that there's been huge growth in those products. So it certainly does seem to be growing. And as you say, we don't really know exactly how many people are truly vegan. Or vegetarian, really, but it's it's um. Is it is it also been fueled that growth being fueled by the um because a lot of people are allergic to a number of things and so so certain types of food in those diets can ameliorate or fix the symptoms of allergies. So yeah, so dairy that might free ac- account for it too. Yeah, dairy free and egg free things. Certainly, the mm. diagnosis of allergies is increasing as well. Proper true allergy, and, and it's sort of a bit of self-diagnosis of people as well going on. So all of those things contribute to the trend. I don't really know if more kids are growing up vegan. I don't think we really have any way of knowing that. But it would make sense if the parents are vegan that probably the kids are as well. I've got a pescatarian, so she eats uh, fish, prawns, things like that, but not meat. So she's far from vegan, but it's still it's still fraught. I did the vegetarian sausages on the barbecue the other day because we were having normal ones. Uh, sorry, not normal. Beef sausages. There's nothing abnormal about vegetarian sausages. Uh, she was happy about that. and But then there was a leftover one, which I then chopped into her meal last night. She said, oh, no, I don't like them with other things, just when we have a... So just because they are on a special diet doesn't mean that they are any less annoying, is what I'm saying, teenagers. Uh, I think that's what I'm saying. Uh, now, some people find Colin Kaepernick annoying because he keeps being political instead of playing football. Uh, what does Jack Tame think? They shrewdly doubled down on Kaepernick's protest and turned it into a marketing opportunity. Not because they necessarily believe in the cause. No, 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 of course not. No, that'd be silly. But because they think it's in their financial interest to make a moral statement. They think it's in their financial interest to appear to do what's right. As soon as they published the Kaepernick ad campaign, they knew exactly what they were doing. Compare it for a moment with issues of the past, and and you'll see my point, right? Imagine just for a moment. Imagine the late 1960s, Coca-Cola putting out advertisements opposing the Vietnam War. Just imagine what that would have been like. Imagine for a moment if Ford motor cars used a celebrity in a crash helmet to oppose the Springbok tour. It, it, I mean, that is an absurd concept now, right? But effectively, this is what's happening. It is a huge shift. And in a way, 
it is already happening here. Think for a moment about how um, think about how big banks and real estate firms and corporate companies all get behind gay pride celebrations. How businesses are always desperate to tell us as consumers how sustainable they are. Yeah, sure, there might be there might be an element of morality, but for the most part, corporates know it is in their financial interest to do so. And it's easy to be cynical about Nike and Colin Kaepernick. But often I think it is only when there's money to be made that we make significant change. Now, obviously, uh, Tim Minchin has decided that there's more money to be made uh, here in New Zealand because he's coming back. Uh, here he is uh, talking with Kerry McIver yesterday morning. Why did you make the decision to tour again? Was it to reconnect after that horrific time in the States? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, absolutely. It's There is a sense of having lived overseas for 12 years and 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 having finally moved back to Australia. And it, there is a sense, the reason the tour is called Back is because I there is a sense of really embracing this or, or 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 reclaiming my artistic autonomy. You know, I'm back in Australia where I found live performance or live performance, my live performance career took off. Mm-hmm. And and all through that LA time and I, I it, it's not that I deliberately spent seven years without doing a proper tour. I just sort of got caught up. And I kept getting these wonderful opportunities and I thought, well I can always tour. And then suddenly seven years goes by. And so I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I've played live a lot over the years, but just every couple of months I'll do a gig somewhere in the States. Or I played in New York in little cabaret bars and I've played, you know, I've done the Opera House Steps and I've done 100-seat cabaret bars in New York and I've just kept the thing alive, kept my live performance alive because it it keeps me alive. It's weird that Opera House, uh, Sydney Opera House Steps thing, isn't it? There seems to be more prestige attached to that than actually playing inside the Opera House. Are there, are there any other buildings where it's more prestigious to play on the steps rather than inside? I don't know. Uh, one day maybe I should record this podcast on the steps of this building instead of in the studio. There's less microphones and computers out there though, so I don't know how that's going to go. Stupid idea, let's forget it. I am Glenn ZB. Uh, that has been News Talk ZB, the weekend edition. I'll be back with more stupid ideas with the Tuesday edition tomorrow.